Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, hey, good morning. Good morning. How are y'all doing? My name is Jordan Coleman, and um, I'm, I'm the B team today. I'm, I'm actually going to be speaking. So those of you who have the sheer look of disappointment on your face, I can't help you. Uh, uh, Pastor Danny asked me to speak on prayer today. Now, if y'all don't know, as of right now, today, we're starting our 21 days of prayer. I want to just emphasize that a little more so you know just how cool this is. It, 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 unprecedented in LifePoint's history, we're actually doing something very, very new, and it's that seven days a week during that 21 days, the church will be open for a time for you to come pray with us. Uh, Monday through Friday, it's, it's at 6 a.m., so plenty of time to maybe get some prayer in, go back into work or whatever you need to do. Um, and, and then on Saturdays, it's at 9, and then obviously Sundays, we're having our regular worship services. I just want to make sure you understand that there's opportunities all throughout this 21 days where you can come and join us in prayer. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking on prayer today. My sermon is called, If You Only Knew. Um, I want to just show you a picture of my, my family, if, if, if we could throw that up there. This is my baby girl and my baby girl. Uh, it's, it's, my, it's my lady, my, my beautiful wife, Manu, and my baby, Mila. We just moved here um, about two months ago, so I'm fairly new to this. So if you don't recognize me, you haven't been to church in two months, and you should, uh, you should come more often. Since we're talking about prayer today, uh, I think it's appropriate that we start off with the Lord's Prayer. Anybody heard that before? All right. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, Jesus is teaching us how to pray. It starts off, pray like this, and that's it. I don't have to teach a sermon at all today, and you just got to read that, and we're good. Uh, Would you guys read this with me out loud, actually? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Can we read it a little louder? I'm going to start it over. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Some of you said amen. Some of you said amen. You can say whatever you want. Now, uh, much like this prayer starts with our Father in heaven, I can't think of prayer and not think of my earthly dad. He's one of those guys that is like a prayer warrior. He always had a really rich and powerful prayer life that I witnessed growing up, and he's still got it today. He's, 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 He's the type that, you know, when you're like, I need someone to pray for me. And you grab your phone and you're ready to text someone. Anybody have a person like that in your life? That's my dad for me. And there's plenty others as well. But he was always just such a great uh, example to me as to what praying is and what it can be. Type of guy who he would find out stuff about my personal life just from talking to God. Didn't like that. Didn't like that one bit. Now, it built my faith because there'd be stuff that he'd be like, well, Jordan, the Lord revealed some things to me about you. And uh, I'd be like, oh, wow. God, help me out. Lord, come on. Why are you telling my dad all this stuff? But it built my faith because I was like, okay, Lord, you're real. But this is not cool. So I went to my dad around the age of 16 or 17. 
And uh, I just said, Dad, I need help learning how to pray. Can you teach me? And he gave me some very, very profound words. He said, Jordan, you already know how to pray, man. You don't need help. I was like, no, no. Uh, If you only knew how bad I am at prayer, Dad, you'd offer me a little help. Can you help me out? He's like, nah, you're good. You don't need help. You don't know how to pray. Like, no, no, I'm, I'm telling you now that I don't know how to pray. Why are you keeping telling me that I do know how, if you only knew how bad I, and he said, here's, here's, what, you, here's what you need to do. I was like, okay, cool. I'm writing it down. He goes, take this key to the church. He was a pastor at the time. He said, take, the, take this key, go down to the church and pray for one hour. And then when the hour's up, come back. I was like, that's, that's not what I'm looking for, dad. But I'll try. So I go, and I drive to the church, and I get in. I'm there alone. Got some cool lighting. We all like a little atmosphere lighting when we pray. And uh, turn on some worship music. And I got to be honest with you, for like 15 minutes, I was calling down fire from heaven. It was awesome. Have you ever had those desperate prayers before the Lord? I need you, oh God. I don't know how to do this too well, but I really need you, oh Lord. And then right around the 15 to 20 minute mark, something shifted. I actually fell asleep. That's what happened. Um, I took a nap for the rest of the the hour. I was literally asleep on the floor for 40 minutes, and it felt amazing, but it was not praying. And so if you're like me, maybe you're thinking, if you only knew a little more about how to pray, you'd pray better. But uh, as for me, I, I, was, I was laid out on the floor because all, all these Pentecostals growing up told me, you know, that's like a really good way to pray. And I've seen people pray really effective prayers just on their stomach, just, Lord, and it's really cool. That's not for me, though. If you asked me to pray like that right now today with all the lights on and turn on really loud music, I would be out like a light. Don't sing the song in your head right now. Anybody who knows the song. Uh, so basically, uh, I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm, I'm praying, and I'm, I'm sleeping. But here's the thing. You have to pray for what's good for you. Praying is just connecting with God. It's having a conversation. I don't have conversations laying down because I'll fall asleep then, too. You can ask my wife about that. Uh, what's most important about prayer? It's not your physical position. Check this out. Prayer is not about what you're doing with your body. It's about the posture of your heart. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through four ways to position your heart for prayer today, okay? You guys ready? And we're going to do it as soon as you just calm down, okay? Turn to somebody next to you and say, calm down. It's only the second service. All right. Number one is pray with thankfulness. Let's read in Philippians chapter 4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Even the Lord's Prayer, it started praising the attributes of God. The writer of Philippians tells us to uh, pray and petition with thanksgiving. It doesn't say pray on thanksgiving. It says pray with thanksgiving. Some of you are like, ah, I got it on lock, already there. Make this the top of your list when you pray. You'll notice in Scripture that oftentimes thanksgiving is coupled with rejoicing. Why is that? I'll tell you why. Because gratitude is the fuel for joy. Gratitude. 
Now, we have gratitude and thankfulness really twisted in our culture. I don't know about you, but I grew up with people telling me, hey, you want to learn how to be thankful? I'm like, yeah, teach me how to be thankful. All you got to do is look to somebody near you or around you or far from you who has it worse off and be thankful that you're not there. Anybody hear that? Doesn't that feel super weird, me saying it right now? It doesn't feel right, huh? Have you ever heard that, yes or no? Yes? Okay, and it's, it's, really, it's really not okay, because why? I always thought, well, if we follow that to its logical conclusion, should that person be less thankful than me? And if I keep looking around at people to compare myself to, I'm pretty quickly going to wind up with somebody that has it better off than me. Should I be less thankful than them? Doesn't work, does it? It doesn't work. So here's how we cultivate thankfulness in our lives. We can be thankful for what we have, and that's good. I think that's appropriate. But how many of you know that what you have today, you might not have tomorrow? Some of us have families today. I I could have a family today and not have a family tomorrow. I could be thankful today for my family, but what happens when my family is not here? You could be thankful for a marriage one day, and then the next day you don't have one. You could be thankful for a car, a house. The things that you have, these are not eternal things. Here's how you connect to gratitude in your heart. It's not about seeing where we could be. That's not thankfulness. Thankfulness is about knowing where we should be. And if you recognize the saving grace of the cross, if we hang all of our thankfulness on the cross, if we can recognize that we were totally desolate and broken, I was limping my way along the path of destruction with death in one hand and hell in the other. And I had nothing good going for me spiritually because I was completely lost in sin. But Jesus gave me a way out. And I didn't deserve that way because it's an inheritance. An inheritance is something you didn't earn. But he gave it to us by the grace and power of Jesus Christ. And he lifted me up and changed my situation. And now I'm on the road to life. That's pretty crazy to be thankful for, right? Because we, we, we can have all this stuff and it's not eternal. What do we do when it goes away? I can tell you now that if God did nothing more for you than the cross, he'd still be a faithful God. He would still be a good, worthy, holy, just, unbelievably loving God. You can hang all of your thankfulness on the cross because Jesus hung on that cross for you. So no matter what you're going through, I want you to experience in your heart and in your life the mind-changing, atmosphere-shifting, mood-altering power of staring in a bad situation in a negative circumstance and saying, thank you, Jesus. I want you to experience that. Hey, let's get it out of our system right now. Come on. Can I hear somebody say, thank you, Jesus? Let's see it. Say it like you mean it a little bit. Say, thank you, Jesus. I hope that the next time you go through something, you can say, oh, thank you, Jesus. I can't, I can't fully explain it to you. You've got to try it for yourself. But when something is going wrong and things are dire and it looks like there's no hope left and you're in the middle of darkness and you've got the dark cloud of depression hanging over you and raining down on you, if you step out of that and go, thank you, Jesus, I promise you something changes. I promise you something changes in the atmosphere. And and the writer of Philippians is telling us that we should always pray with thankfulness. Every time we pray, 
When was the last time you went before the Lord just to say, thank you, Jesus? When was the last time you said that? When was the last time you opened up your prayers with, thank you, Jesus? Number two, the second way to position our hearts for prayer is to pray in humility. See, remember in the Lord's Prayer, it says, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Man, it's not about our will. Here's the thing. I know, like, people who are, like, 35 years old that are, like, just trying to find myself. Like, wow, where have you been the whole time? I feel like you've been you for 35 years. I hope I'm not still searching for myself, but that's a huge thing in our culture, isn't it? Just trying to find myself. You're in your 50s now. Probably should have found yourself already. I'm just saying, and I'm not trying to speak judgment on anybody who's still looking for themselves, but just go ahead and find it already. You're right there. All right? It's about God's will. It's about God's kingdom. But we've spent so much of our time and effort trying to establish our own. Think about that. In Psalm 149, it says, Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will prepare their heart. You will cause your ear to hear. Humility is weird, right? I have legitimately heard people who are not being ironic (laughs) say, you know what? I just, I'm just really humble. And you're like, yeah, you're a bad liar too. I'm serious. It's like, that doesn't really sound right, right? When you're like, man, I got a lot of gifts, a lot of talents. Humility, the best one. The top of the list. I'm serious. We legitimately think of humility that way. We love to tell everyone how humble we are. Here's the other way we twist up humility in our culture. It's just just this kind of like, you know, dirt kicking, hands in the pockets, shame, this like fake shame. You know, I just, I don't deserve, you know, anything. I just, just, I'm a bad guy and I'm just, uh, just happy to be here. Oh, my goodness. Lift up your head. Why are you still? It's shoegazing. Stop doing that. Lift up your head. What is humility then? Because we don't get it right in our culture. We've got it really twisted. It's hard to understand it because it's like we're hardwired to be proud, right? To have pride. What's humility? The key that unlocks humility is honesty. Check out Romans 12, 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. That's a cool word, ought. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Well, we don't get honesty right in our culture either, do we? What do we do? Well, we go to an event, a gathering, a soiree, if you will, and we just filter out all the parts that are not fun, all the parts that nobody cares about. And we photograph the parts that are. And then when we're searching through them at the end of the day, we filter through all the photos that don't display the us that we want everyone else to see. And then we find the ones that do. And then we put a filter on that. And then we show that to the world. And this is why every blogger on Instagram looks the exact same. Other than the fact that they're all blonde 35-year-old girls that are married to rich guys. Um, I don't have a problem with blonde girls or 35-year-olds or rich guys. I'm just saying that's going to be a first and second service exclusive. I can't say that joke in the third. You guys got real awkward just now. There's a tangible awkwardness in the room. 
I'm going to stare at my page for 30 seconds here in sheer silence and shame. Here's the thing about our honesty. We're not good about showing people the real us. And we're definitely not good at showing it to ourselves. Humility is staring in the mirror and judging yourself. Sober judgment. Being aware. So often we just compare ourselves to others to make ourselves feel better. When was the last time you went before God? No filter, mask off, and you actually prayed to him as a person who is really yourself. When was the last time you got real with God? I mean really, really real. Not fake to the funk, because that's what we do, right? If we can fake it good enough on Sunday morning, then we go before the Lord, and it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty good, Lord. Or it's this fake shame thing. Oh, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing here. Okay, let's all calm down and pray with honesty. Look at yourself in the mirror. All of the colorful, most amazing parts of your life are in the photos that you do not post. It's in the in-between. That's the real you. If you stared at a picture that you did not want to post for like an hour, you would be humbled. I'm going to watch back this video from the live stream today, and I'm going to be very, very humbled. Because that's the real us. I don't get to filter it. It's like I can't be like, can you guys filter the live stream real quick? Make me look real thin up here. It's going to be good. Let's take a look at another verse here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. So we hear rejoice, we hear give thanks. There's a little phrase in there. It says, Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing? We all know them. We all know those like extra saved people who take everything mad literal in the Bible. They're like, well, you can't depart from the text. It says you have to actually address God every second of every... No. No, it doesn't. You know what I like to do with those people? Ask them about Revelation. Hey, you know that seven-horned beast that comes out of the sea? What's that going to look like? Well, actually, the seven horns represents a different... I know it represents something. That's how a metaphor works. I've understood that the whole time. You're the one who's taking everything so literal. There's figurative language all throughout the Bible used to emphasize a greater message. Well, Jordan, it is possible to pray every... No, it's not. You can do it if you... No, you can't. Well, if you keep your spirit in a state of perpetual... I'm not going to. You can't pray all the time. You'd be a total weirdo with nothing else going on in your life. It's not, it's not possible. Take yourself off the hyper-religious hook. It's okay. The Bible is being emphatic. Here's an expression that we use all the time that means the exact same thing, but it doesn't mean it literally. And it's my point three. Pray relentlessly. That's, that's exactly what that means. Relentless means you're not stopping. But it doesn't mean that you're not stopping, right? Can we not be so religious here really quick? Can you guys just shrug your shoulders for me real quick? Stop being so religious. I'm seeing nobody shrug their shoulders but me, and it's making me feel uncomfortable. That's okay, you know. I'm going to watch that live stream. Be humbled. Pray relentlessly. Makes a lot more sense, though, doesn't it? Praying relentlessly means this. Pray a lot. A lot. What's something that you do a lot? Some of you, you look really good, and I can tell you're in the gym a lot. 
Some of you look a little more like me, and I can tell you watch movies a lot. <laughs> and that's okay, too. You're my people. We're good. I love movies. I want to go to the theater right now after service. If you've seen a movie on a Sunday, it's a thrill. It's a delight. What else do we use a lot? Our phones. My wife taught me about something, and I'm super mad at her for it. It's called low power mode. Anybody ever seen this icon come up? Low power mode. What is it? It's when you click a little thing that I always ignored because I'm a guy. At the end of the day, I just like, oh, I don't know. Just, uh. My wife's like, have you ever tried low power mode? I was like, no. What is it? It makes sure that your phone can go longer between charges because it uses less of your phone's capability. Low power mode. I personally use it to be lazy and not charge my phone. People are like, hey, man, you got like 5% left. Are you, you need to plug your phone in? The plug's right there. Nah, man, low power mode. <laughs> Locked. It's all, it's all good. I got at least another 20. What does low power mode do? How does it work? Well, several things. It makes sure that everything you're viewing is at a dimmer light. It doesn't automatically refresh the apps that you use. And it doesn't automatically retrieve emails. So when you go into your email, you have to manually do it, and sometimes it takes a lot longer. Some of us are living in a state of low power mode in our spiritual walk because you haven't plugged into the source, and you've gotten really good at keeping long distances between the times that you pray and plug in to the source. And so you're on low power mode. So your light doesn't shine as bright, though. You know what else? You're not in a state of perpetual refreshing. The areas where you need refreshing before the Lord, it doesn't automatically happen. You have to do it on your own. You have to manually go in and go, I guess i got to refresh this part. And worst of all, you're not automatically receiving messages that God's sending you. So you're not all the way open all the time because you're on low power mode. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be on low power mode in my faith. I want to be highly powered up, charged up, always plugged into the source. If you can remain plugged into the source, you got to pray a lot to be plugged into the source. Pray, pray a lot. I hope that when someone looks at you and they go, what kind of a prayer life does he or she have that they say, mm, they pray a lot. I can tell. I hope that LifePoint becomes known as the body of people who pray a lot and get their prayers answered. The type of people that everyone else wants to text when they need prayer. I hope that for you. Because if you're plugged into the source as often as possible, you can stay on high power mode. Don't get so comfy on low power mode. You're not built for it. You're built for better. And you can experience better. You know what's the worst thing about low power mode? You're not ready for anything big. And I mean that in two ways. I mean that in a battle. So if you're on low power mode and a big battle comes your way, mm, it's not good. But I also mean that in terms of a blessing. You can't handle either one. They're too big for you. You're on low power mode. Can we get plugged in today? Here's the fourth way. The fourth way that we position our hearts for prayer is pray without wavering. I'm going to read from James chapter 1. It's, uh, it's, not, it's not a fun verse. Um, some of it isn't. It's, it's kind of hard to swallow a little bit. If, you, if any of you lacks wisdom, it says, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. One of the translations, several translations, actually 
say that as he, he never faults you for asking. He never scorns you for asking for wisdom. That's good news for some of us here today. If you lack wisdom, you should ask God and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Uh, other translations say, not waver. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. I read this verse and I was like, this is tough. I got to like dissect this. And I'm going to do it. After hundreds of years of church history, I'm going to finally be the one who figures this verse out. So I, I went to the Greek. You know what that word double-minded means in Greek? It means double-minded. <laughs> Literally. It just means two minds. I was like, oh, cool. I guess that's up for interpretation. What does a double mind look like? Let me show you. I want to show you a picture of my, uh, my child and my dog. Look at that. One on the right is a tragic, unwelcome burden that my wife dragged into our marriage. <laughs> the one on the left is my beautiful, amazing blessing of a daughter who is happy all the time and makes us happy all the time. And she's got a loud laugh and she likes to dance and worship and it's amazing. Um, she's about to torture the dog with that fan and I did not do anything but photograph it. So I just want you to know. So you can ask me which one I care about more. But there are times when my daughter is just not having it, not having a good time in the house, and we gotta, we got to take a step out of the house. So I take her for a ride in this beautiful car. Sleek, pink, my favorite color. Purple, my least favorite color, and that's okay. But she loves this thing. And we walk around the neighborhood, and sometimes... I get brave, and I think, I could also walk my dog at the same time. So I do. I take them both down, and we go for a walk together. And I've got my dog on my left-hand side and my baby on my right. And i got to be honest with you, I'm really good at this. So it's going real smooth, right up until the point where my dog sees another dog. And then all heck breaks loose. And the dog is just getting in front of the car. And I'm, I'm like trying not to hit the dog with the car. I don't stop it every time, but I'm, I'm trying really hard. Like, okay, get out of the way. Get out of the way. His name is Hercules. What a fitting name for that little tiny animal. Thank you, wife. Herc, we call him Herc. Herc, get out of the way. And he's just going crazy. And obviously, inevitably, the other person with the dog has to say something like, well, don't worry, man, my dog's friendly. And I'm like, well, my dog's an idiot. So I don't know what to tell you. My dog thinks he's way bigger than he is, and he's going to try to bite yours. He's not a friendly dog to other dogs. I don't know. I can't fix it. That's how God made him. Let's not judge him for it, okay? <laughs> so I'm having trouble, and, and I'm, I'm double-minded. I'm trying to operate two things at the same time. The worst part about this is if something big ever came along, I'd have to decide which one I want to protect. It's an easy decision for me, but I don't want to have to decide that because that dog, my wife loves him very, very much. And I don't want her to be in the pain, dwell in the pain of having to lose that dog. When you're double-minded, there are things that you can handle 
singularly, I can do this all day. Walk the dog. It's not as fun as doing this all day. Get to hang out with my little baby girl. But when I do them both, it's a danger to all that I hold. Some of us go before the Lord. We've got two minds. What are the things that distract you from putting your full trust in God? Sometimes it's just actual distractions. Your TV, your phone. We so don't live in a culture where we are silent anymore. And it's really hard to hear God when you've always got something playing. Try it someday. Try taking your morning drive without the radio on. What are some other ways that we are, are distracted from, from praying with one mind? <laughs> Sin. Sin is something that will completely distort your image of God because it distorts your image of self. So you go before the Lord and you've got a guilty conscience. And it's got walls that you've built and you've fogged up the mirror and the window that you can't see God clearly anymore. Because you've forgotten that he actually clothed you in the righteousness of Christ. But your sin is keeping you from him. That's a distraction. The biggest one that we have is fear. In this culture, we don't go before the Lord because we're afraid. We're afraid of his no. But see, my daughter changed my thinking on what a loving father is. Jesus actually said, if any of you have your kid come to you and ask for a piece of bread, do you ever give him a stone? No. And he also said, and you're sinners. And then he said, how much more do you think a perfect God, our Father, knows how to give good gifts to his children? But we don't think of ourselves like that, do we? We think we've got to go through all these little things, wear the mask, do all the right stuff so that we're finally ready to pray. No, no, pray relentlessly and pray without wavering. You do not have to fear every time you go before the Lord. You are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. You know what freed my mind when I was a younger man? I learned the truth that no one is good. Not one person on earth is good. And I grew up understanding there's bad people and there's good people. Well, some people are just bad people, Jordan. No, everyone's bad in comparison to a perfect God. But Jesus walked perfectly. He's the only good human that ever existed. He was fully human, fully God. And God the Father sees you like he sees Jesus. This is all biblically sound and scriptural and accurate. And I want you to feel the weight of that today and the freedom of that today. If you only knew what you looked like to God the Father, maybe you wouldn't be double-minded. Maybe you'd go to him and have some trust for once and go, God actually cares about me. Yes, if all he ever did for us was the cross, then we would have every reason to be thankful for the rest of our lives and praise him. That's true. But our God doesn't just stop there. Everything else should be abundantly, crazily thankful because he, he actually cares about the day-to-day -day life. He actually cares about your soul. My daughter, I got to tell her no sometimes because sometimes what she wants is going to hurt her. 
My daughter sometimes, I got to discipline her. I don't like it, though. You know what I care about the most that no one ever talked about before I had a kid? I care that she's happy. Safe and happy. I actually am really, really concerned daily, all the time, about her joy. I want her to be the happiest kid alive. And you're trying to tell me that God is some distant, angry dad when he sees you like he sees his son, Jesus? No, he cares. And he cares that you're happy. He cares that you have the joy of the Lord in all circumstances. You can hang all of your hope, all of your provision, all of your trust, and yes, all of your joy on him. King Jesus made a way for you to get directly connected to God the Father who is so in love with you and so cares about you that you should be happy that you're his. Let's pray today. God, we thank you for your love. We sing about it. We talk about it. I hope that today we can feel a little more the weight of your love and your care for us. We're overjoyed by how much you care, God. Lord, I pray that anyone here who's never experienced the saving grace of Jesus would take that step, that they'd welcome that in today, that they'd welcome in Christ as Lord of their life. God, those of us who already have you, I pray that you'd help us see that you're calling to us, you're seeking us, that you're asking us, come, come. Get to know me a little better because if you only knew me better, you would know who you are, how you stand, how you should live, and how loved you are. And Lord, we're thankful for this opportunity, God. I pray that you'd be honored these next 21 days that you'd be honored by what we do, that our church would be a church that you're proud of, that our church would be a church that spends extra time going before you just to get to know you a little better and understand your love for us and your love for this nation, this city, and this world, God. We're so abundantly thankful. I pray, God, that LifePoint would be known as the church with Humble, thankful, relentless prayers that do not waver. People of faith. And it's in your name that we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy.